This guy is a great big phony. If a body meets a body coming through the right. Okay. If a body kiss a body need a body cry. Okay, 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 okay. Hey gang, welcome back to the Okay Gatsby Colin. Catcher in the Y. <laughs> every it's, time. It's every fun. time it's funny to us. It's funny to it's us every time. If it was funny to you, write in um, at uh, haheartnet at gmail.com, I guess. You can just email me. We record these pretty far ahead, so there's probably nothing we can change. So yeah. The season's underway. So what we're trying to say is you're welcome. You're welcome for our charm. You're welcome. Um, we're on to chapter 11. Kevin, how you how you feeling so far uh, reading? reading? I, uh, I'm I'm liking it. I, uh, well, I actually went back and I went through nine stories, that short story collection he put out. Yeah. I don't know if it was before or after this, but it, it is kind of interesting to see like, oh, every character he does is like on the verge of a mental breakdown. A little misanthropic, a <laughs> little alone, a little... Genius, right? Yes, a little precocious for sure. Precocious kids. He loves there, precocious kids. For Esme with squalor, uh, which is no, it's like for Esme with love and squalor or whatever. Love and squalor. Um, that one, there's a little thing about wearing your hat differently. Where I guess it's like, it's a, such a small little detail, but I guess like wearing your hat differently was such a sign of quiet <laughs> rebellion. <laughs> How did they wear their hat? Who it was, was, it? Uh, was it a soldier? soldier. Yeah, a soldier, soldier wore his hat a little differently. I've read it. I want the audience to know that I've read it. And another big thing with him is that even in these stories, it's like the actual story is happening essentially off screen, or like it's like right. our term subtextual narrative. Like even in these stories, like it's all the real drama is never stated until it explodes, and then. But you don't get like big action sequences, right? They're just like talking in a cafe, right? Yeah, and then someone will reach either a violent emotional revelation or actual violence. <laughs> okay, wait, was there violence in that story? Uh, uh, perfect day for banana fish. Well, he kills himself. Yes, yeah, at uh, the end. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Spoiler Great story, alert. worth the read. Uh, so I'm warning you that I just spoiled it. <laughs> <laughs> People should say it. Everyone says it afterward, like as a joke. Uh, but you should say it before. I think it would be rude not to say it. Spoiler before. alert: He killed. Also, you know, we expect that you've read it. Sorry. Yeah. If and that's if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't read nine stories, that's Franny and Zoe's brother who kills himself in that. Seymour, story. yes, Seymour. the Glass family. The Glass family. There's more writing coming about out about them. Apparently, he yeah. Wrote that more documentary. They were like in 2017. More books, and I read a more detailed article where it's like there's a bunch of more stories and novels about the Glass family. I think there's a few more about the Caulfields, uh, and there's a bunch of there's a couple novels about his time in in Germany during World War II. Ooh, a couple novels. Yes, he just kept writing, huh? Yeah, he wrote for forty five years and just never published any of it. And he was a world class writer the whole time. It's almost like he was like it's like he's. Ah, playing piano in a closet. Oh, it's almost yeah. Yeah, it's like he doesn't want the phonies fouling him up. Yeah, by clapping too loud for him. Yeah, Holden Caulfield. Weirdly, I think Holden Caulfield would be a big fan of J.D. Salinger. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that weird? Isn't it weird? That Isn't that weird? The narrator essentially created a uh, outlet for his own thoughts about society. <laughs> weird. All right, so yeah, we're on chapter eleven. 
Starts with one of our favorite phrases that we've noticed in this reading, all of a sudden. Red flag phrase. All of a sudden, on my way out to the lobby, I got old Jane Gallagher on the brain again. Here we go. Yeah, so all of a sudden, uh, or or like for no reason, we're looking out for him uh, having a huge reason to do that. And turns out, so he just left those women at the, at the bar, the nightclub, the girl who he liked with the twitchy butt. Yes, the twitchy butt girl <laughs> that he was half in love with. Uh, they they left and he sat in a terrible nightclub for a half hour, not st- stone sober. Yeah, oof. And he paid the whole tab, and they didn't even offer. They didn't even offer. It would be nice if they offered to pay for the, he the paid drinks it. that they ordered before he showed up. Yeah. <laughs> he would have paid it regardless, but it would have been nice for the drinks the before it he showed been nice. up. Oh my God, they just like nabbed a, a, a they got like a patsy to pay. It's like they. It's not fair. It's not. Anyway, uh, so he's all upset. So he's deeply upset, deeply depressed, deeply alone. And then who should stumble into his own brain? But old Jane, Jane Gallagher. Gallagher. He even calls her old Jane Gallagher. He, he calls old. everyone old. I know. I like it a lot. I couldn't get her off. I My got brain. her on, and I couldn't get her off. That's women for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just kidding. I sat down in this vomit-looking chair in the lobby and thought about her and Stratletter sitting in that goddamn Ed Banky's chair car and thought I was pretty damn sure old Stratlander hadn't given her the time. So he's obsessed with this with his yes, roommate. Yes, it's very important to him that Stratlander didn't get to have sex with her. Yeah, exactly. He didn't give her the time. Yeah. Uh, yes. He's yeah. So uh, he's back to this. Even though he said he didn't care before, obviously he doesn't care. This is like he cares. So now we're gonna get the, get the story of Jane Gallagher, which I I think it's a, such a sweet chapter. Yes, it, it it's clearly Jane is one of the most important people in, in the history of his life. Yeah, and he, you're right, and he acted like it was no big deal in the dormitory, which I love, and now we're getting this backstory, which gives color to that scene, right? It's going to give more yes. color to what's happening there. That he didn't want his, his bro, basically it's like if your bro college roommate like was going to hook up with like the most important friend from your childhood. Yeah, like someone really special to you that you were in love with. Um so basically, this whole chapter is like a flashback to their relationship, which is over, you know, it's like a summer, two summers ago. Yes. Um, so let's see here. I knew it. I really did. I mean, besides Checker, she was quite fond of all athletic sports. And after I got to know her the whole summer long, we played tennis together almost every morning and golf almost every afternoon. So he spent every day with this woman for a whole summer. He says, I really get to know her quite intimately. No, it doesn't mean anything physical or anything. It wasn't. It wasn't. We saw each other all the time. You don't always have to get too sexy to get to know a girl. That's true. That's true. That's very Very sweet. sweet. The way I met her, this Doberman pincher, and this is kind of funny to me, she had used to come over and relieve himself on her lawn, and my mother got very irritated about it. She called up Jane's mother and made a big stink about it. My mother can make a very big stink about that kind of stuff. Then what happened? A couple of days later, I saw Jane laying on her stomach next to the swimming pool at the club, and I said hello to her. I knew she lived in the house next to ours, but I'd never conferred with her before or anything. Yeah, so Jane is kind of cold to him, and he tries to like make it clear, right? Yeah. That, that he's not. I'm not the one who cares about the dog. Yeah, I, right? I'm not my mother. Yeah, I did. had a hell, hell of a time convincing her that I didn't give a good goddamn where her dog would leave himself. He could do it in the living room for all I care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's like, yeah, I'm not my mother. Uh, you are not your dog. You know, we can still be friends. You can see this playing out in a movie if the, they made the movie this scene would be so funny of holden just like like please don't affiliate me with my like almost yeah. sandlot style at the pool just being like 
I'm not my mother. Look, your dog could poop wherever. I don't care. Yeah, it could be great. It's, it's kind of like a romantic, movie. sweet moment of like just a young man trying to convince a young woman. I bet. I bet in the movie they would play up the Jane Gallagher thing to be even bigger than this. You know? Yes. Um. And then this whole chapter is so detailed, where he remembers all the stuff a couple years, like in a mental institution three years later, remembers everything, everything about her. Yeah, he remembers. Well, I mean, the checkers thing was an early indication that he remembers a lot about her, even if uh, it's not like sexual. Like Stradletter was like, "What do you want to talk about checkers, checkers for? Yeah. What? What's checkers? Why is checkers important to you?" And checkers obviously is becoming a, this stand-in for like the intimate friendship that they had, and like and getting to know a girl like for her own personality and not for just for sex. Yes. It's That's a checker. Probably place. truly loved her too. Yeah, like, he was in love with her, but like because he pursued it in such a, a innocent way, like he can't get her off the brain. Yeah, uh, I had a hell of it. Yeah, so let's see here. They played golf together. She lost eight balls. I remember eight. He tile sizes. I had a terrible time getting her at least open her eyes when she took a swing at the ball. So he's just like playing through the montage of a romantic comedy right now. <laughs> yes. Yeah, oh my god. Right. Yeah. He's like you can imagine like getting him getting behind her and like showing her how to swing, and then like he gets upset because she knocks the ball right out of it. Then they both laugh about it. Yeah. But then he undercuts it with a very Holden Caulfield brag. He goes, "I'm a very good golfer. If I told you what I go around in, you probably wouldn't believe me. <laughs> I almost was once in a movie short, but I changed my mind at the last minute." I figured that anybody that hates the movies as much as I do, I'd be a phony if I let them stick me in a movie short. <laughs> Where it's like, you talk about the movies constantly. I don't think you hate the movies. I really <laughs> don't get the movie. I don't, I mean, not that I don't get it, but I don't think it's like, I'm not sure if it's landing with me entirely. Like the thing, I know the movies are phony, right? He hates the movies. Yeah. Because they're phony. But he says he hates them so much, but then he obviously like likes them. Yeah, they're obviously around so much, and he isn't, Resistant. It's like the kids who say like they hate pop music, where it's like, man, it's gonna be ha- at the dance. So you, <laughs> why are you resisting so much? <laughs> right, right. It's like, what do you you hate Justin Bieber? What did he ever do to you? What does it yeah. matter? Like you, you're not gonna just have fun with a girl while a Justin Bieber song right, plays. <laughs> right. It's more like it seems to be more like uh like you want to be the kind of person who is perceived as hating pop music. Yeah, you want to be anti pop culture. That how you know how important that was when you were a teen to be like, yeah. you know what? I don't actually like the things that. Dumb people. Like. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's I it's do. very. It becomes obsessed, uh, an obsessive part of their personality yep. to like boundaries between things that everyone likes and then things that you like. Kind of sort of like a not a hipster in that you have good taste, so you just work hard not to have bad taste. Yeah, no. I remember my friend was into Coldplay, and then uh, like when Yellow came out, everyone liked Coldplay, and he was like. Nah, Coldplay's kind of falling off, and it's like whoa, <laughs> I wonder if things like now they've like full, you know, really expanded their sound. Yeah, they've f- fully fallen off now. I mean, in his estimation, I think. Um, so wait, so yeah, they want. He was so good at golf, they wanted to put him in a short film about golf. Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, Hollywood used to do short films before feature films a lot, I guess. And yeah. they're like, here's a kid playing golf. I guess <laughs> <laughs> doesn't really make sense. I can't imagine like a like a camera back then capturing. Well, it's hard to capture golf now and make it seem exciting. Oh, it's yeah. like. How could you tell? Like, is he hitting it three hundred yards? Is that good? I don't like that. Anyone watches golf is so strange. Yeah, to me. I know, but there, here we are. Here we are. Um, so we get back into Jane here. Yep. So she was a funny girl, old Jane. I won't exactly describe her as strictly beautiful, which is kind. Of, she knocked me out though. She was sort of muckle mouth, which I looked up at. Kind of a slang mainly means big mouthed. 
I mean, when she was talking, she got excited about something. Her mouth sort of went in about 50 directions, <laughs> her lips and all. That killed me. So that means that when every time he says that killed me, it's like, oh, this is like the most important, like, <laughs> brief source of joy for me. Yeah, it was funny. Yeah. And she never really closed it all the way, her mouth. It was always just a little bit open, especially when she got in her golf stance or when she was reading the book. She was always reading, and she read very good books. She read a lot of poetry all, and she was the only one outside my family that I ever showed Allie's baseball mitt to with all the poems written on it. So there is a big, big old ding, 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 Huge. Ding. So not only, right, so like Holden saying, I opened up to her about my brother. And something I didn't think about is that he is, he goes, he kicks gets kicked out of like every school. So he hasn't had a real close friend. He's never really had a chance to besides his brother, DB, and his brother, Allie. Yep. And his, so his best friend, Allie, died. And now here's Jane, who sp- he spent every day with for a mo- three yeah, months. It's huge. You're right. And it's bigger than he than he will admit. Yeah. It, it was a crucial friendship. So crucial that he used her to help process his grief about his brother. He was she was the only one he trusted enough. Before he, he just brought it out for Strad Letters homework to, like, be like, "Hey, look at this very important uh, yeah. memorabilia of my brother." Well, she liked it. She was interested in that kind of stuff. Um, I told her quite a lot about him. She was interested in interested in that kind of stuff. So she, what does that kind of stuff mean here? <laughs> like, I, I think mean, it's also interesting where it's conflicted with like he starts out she's not beautiful, but this is why she was important to me. Yeah. Where it's like, I she's a sensitive person. She's I she's probably the first person that he felt comfortable like being genuinely emotional to. Yeah, and like talking about because obviously he wasn't comfortable talking about it with his parents because he punched all the windows out of. Uh, oh yeah, uh, the garage when yeah. it happened. He wanted to punch the car windows too, but he couldn't get around to it. Yeah, he broke his hand. <laughs> but this was this girl that he felt he could really talk to, and he has not had that. Uh, like Ackley, he barely could talk to because Ackley never understood, <laughs> but was nosy. Stradlatter was a dumb guy. Yeah. Uh, even his friend, the I forgot what his name, but the the guy Mal Brossard, he. Hello. A good guy, but they just—he was a guy who laughed too hard at the movies. <laughs> he likes wrestling. Yeah, <clears throat> uh, she was interested in, interested in that kind of stuff. You think that what does that mean? That kind of I think the poetry or the emotions? I think both. I okay. think she's both a good re- like a reader and she's sensitive to uh, sort of the complexities. Yeah, of she's grief. emotionally intelligent. Yes. Uh, her my mother didn't like her too much. Oh, I, because of the dog. Yeah. I mean, my mother always thought Jane and her mother were sort of snubbing her or something when they didn't say hello. It's like, well, you did yell at them. <laughs> yeah. My mother saw them in the village a lot because Jane used to drive to the market with her mother in this LaSalle convertible they had. My mother didn't think Jane was pretty even. I did, though. I just liked the way she looked. That's all. That is adorable. So it seems like Jane is not traditionally beautiful. Maybe the mom would would say that about Jane regardless, but she's, it's not traditionally, be- she's not traditionally beautiful, but Holden likes her, which is even sweeter. Yeah, and I, I think also it's like, this is like a person, yeah, the mom doesn't like because yeah. she thinks she's being snubbed. Uh, and it's also like East Coast mean. <laughs> right, right, right. I don't find her quite attractive myself. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I guess she's fine looking. But like she went on a date with Stradladder, <laughs> this yeah. handsome stud. <laughs> yeah, true. It wasn't her first, it wasn't his first, it wasn't the, his first plan though. His first plan was some other girl. Mm-hmm. But also, yeah, she he got. kept going out with her. Hey. So now we get to the checkers scene. Checker, I love how it really pays off. It's like you hear this one detail and it pays off a bunch of times. I mean, I think that happens with a few other things too. Yeah, his repetition with yeah. he has a great sense. It's like 
this is why I think it's so good to teach this book in high school is that repetition happens so much where it's like, hey, hey, look at this thing that keeps coming up. Yeah, yeah. It's just not none of these details are are like pulled out of the air for no reason. Every detail is is used to push push the story. Every detail is important and meaningful. Yes. Uh, so and this is a, probably one of the, one of the most emotional parts of the book. Um, so it's I remember this one afternoon. It was the only time old Jane and I ever got close to necking even. It is kind of funny that that's how he remembers this. <laughs> <laughs> it was a Saturday and it was raining like a bastard out. And I was over at her house on the porch. They had this big screen in porch. We were playing checkers. I used to kid her once in a while because she wouldn't take her kings out of the back row. But I didn't kid her much, though. You never wanted to kid Jane too much. I think I really like it best when you can kid the pants off a girl when the opportunity arises. But it's a funny thing. The girls I like best are the ones I never feel much like kidding. Sometimes I think they'd like it if you kidded them, in fact. I know they would, but it's hard to get started once you've known them a pretty long time and never have kidded them. Which is kind of interesting where it parallels him saying, like, well, if you like a girl, you shouldn't want to spit water in her face. Yeah. So he has uh, this conflict between how he wants to behave and how he wants to treat people he loves. Yeah. Where, like, he feels like he can't be himself around the people he loves because it's, like, not right to them. But also, I think, like, the, 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 what he's talking about is, like, this sort of, like, reverent intimacy yeah. that you have with Kind of someone. fun teasing. No, no, you mean I mean I mean reverent, not irreverent. So like he wants to have like an irreverent, irreverent teasing relationship, but what he has is sort of a reverent, like you know, you're an angel relationship with with them. Um, yeah, she kills him. She he kill me. Yeah, yeah. He, he is like wowed by this woman and can't bring it upon himself to be the guy who can poke fun at her. Right, but it turns out I mean like yeah, he's in this kind of vibe with her that uh they're they're intimate and it's nice. You they're, know, so yeah, they're earnest. They it. talk about their the dead brother. They yes. talk about poetry. <clears throat> yeah. Right. And I think that's not, that's actually kind of nice to him even though he's saying uh it's weird how he can't kid it around with her, but I think he likes it. Anyway, I was telling you that afternoon Jane and I came close to necking. He brings it up twice. That's like <laughs> the most important part of the story to him, which is such a teenage boy. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. It was raining like hell when we were out on her porch, and all of a sudden this booze hound her mother was married to came out on the porch and asked Jane if there were any cigarettes in the house. I didn't know him too well or anything, but he looked like the kind of guy that wouldn't talk to you unless he wanted something off you. He had a lousy personality. Anyway, old Jane wouldn't answer him when he asked her if she knew where there was any cigarettes, so the guy asked her again, but she still wouldn't answer him. She didn't even look up from the game. Finally, the guy went inside the house. When he did, I asked Jane what the hell was going on. She wouldn't even answer me. Then... She made out like she was concentrating on her next move in the game and all. Then all of a sudden, this tear plopped down on the checkerboard. On one of the red squares. Boy, I can still see it. Right, so even he's saying how good of an image this is. The tear on the checkerboard is so huge. Just the Jane Gallagher image. The checkerboard has been associated with Jane for the entire novel. And now we have a tear, single tear, falling on a red square. The checkerboard that she literally, she has her kings in the back row. Meaning that she can never lose. She's guarded. She's guarded, but and she won't tell him what's going on. She won't even tell him what's going on. So yep. the he, it's a one-way street of, here are all my vulnerable feelings about my brother, and then here is this stepdad who is a big jerk, probably most likely abusive, probably even sexually abusive, and like has a weird moment, and yeah. she won't tell him anything. Yeah. But anyway, so the but it's still like a sad image. Just imagine the movie of uh, like a girl staring down at a checkers game, and then one tear <laughs> falls down on a, on the red square. Yeah, 
So she rubs him with her finger, and he says, I don't know why, ding, 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 but it bothered the hell out of me. She was trying to cover up. She didn't want to talk to him about it. Well, my copy says it bothered hell out of me. It, mine too, but it bothered hell out of me. I guess that's just the phrase. No, I think it's a misprint. Mm, it just bothered hell out of me. But it bothered hell out of me. <clears throat> I don't know. So what I did was I went over and made her move over on the glider so that I could sit down next to her. I practically sat down in her lap, as a matter of fact. Uh, then so, she really started to cry. <laughs> right. So the, the but the thing where he doesn't know why he because fe- he obviously he feels like he wants to do this to comfort her. Yeah. And because he loves her and something is wrong, but he can't put his finger on it. So he yeah. leaves this and thing. And it, it bothers that she's like rubbing it away, just being like, "Let's. This is a moment of weakness. I don't yeah. want anyone to see this." And he's like, "No, I'm supposed to be your friend that we can talk about these things." Yeah, that's really sweet. And that uh, yeah. So he goes over. Yeah, then she really started to cry, and the next thing I knew, I was kissing her all over, anywhere. Her ears, her nose, her forehead, her eyebrows, and all. Her ears, he says ears twice. (laughs) Her whole face, except her mouth and all. She sort of wouldn't let me get to her mouth. So it's like, Holden, you kind of made the wrong move here. (laughs) You weren't close to necking. There was a woman who needed a hug, and you (laughs) misread the situation. Yeah, I don't think she wanted to kiss at that time, but... uh Anyway, it was the closest we ever got to necking. And it is kind of funny that like, that's what he sees as the yeah. most important. <laughs> Three times he's, he tells this story. Well, it's another Holden story where, where he's telling you what he thinks the point of it is. Yes. And then you get to this whole other point that's not the thing at all. And he goes back, anyway, that's why that's the time we almost made out. Yeah, I, mean, I almost made out with Jane that time. Where it's like a huge story about, one, a personal tragedy of Jane's, and two, a lack of, like... I, I need emotional intimacy from this girl, and she's blocking me out right now, and that's infuriating. Yeah, <laughs> but he sees it as like, yeah, we got. I was kissing her pretty hard. Yeah, <laughs> and like, but yeah, he, in the time he comforted her, and she listened to his his stuff, and he tried to help her out. But right, it's, it reminds me of that time where it's like my dorm was in, named after this guy, and then the, he talks about the guy coming and doing a speech and the fart and the long story all about that, and then he goes anyway. My dorm. <laughs> anyway, like, <laughs> that's when we almost kissed. <laughs> right, and all the juicy stuff is in the middle of the paragraph. So, yeah. like, if you're skimming, like I would do in school, skim the you f- skim the first sentence of the paragraph or the last sentence of the paragraph, and you can figure it out. Uh, you'd miss this stuff because it, he buries it on purpose. Yeah. It's very much, he's able to project a guy who's not self-aware but is, is selling everything. <laughs> yeah. Um. After a while, she got up and went in and put on this red and white sweater she had that knocked me out, and we went to a goddamn movie. Two two mentions of movies in the same. <laughs> <laughs> same story. I asked her in the way if Mr. Cudahy, that was the booze hound's oh, name, Irish. had ever tried to get wise with her. She was pretty young, but she had this terrific figure, and I wouldn't have put it past that Cudahy bastard. She said no, though. I never did find out what the hell was the matter. Some girls, you practically never find out what's the matter. So do you think it was sexual? I, I I thought that it was hinted at more in my memory that it was sexual, but it Holden refers to her figure. I thought maybe that the stepfather referred to her figure, but he did not. No, I think it may. So there's no evidence as to what was wrong, but clearly they have a very bad relationship. Yeah. He's an alcoholic, so he maybe even is just physically violent. Not yeah. just, is physically violent. Yeah. Um, but it definitely seems like she's in a bad household. Yeah. Uh, so much so that just interacting with her stepfather is deeply upsetting to her. Yeah. Oof. He just wants a cigarette. And then here, here is... Because Holden now thinks that what we're concerned about is that Jane did not 
kiss him. I know. And he goes, I don't want to get you to get the idea she was a goddamn icicle or something. <laughs> like that's not what we were thinking about. She's not a prude. <laughs> <laughs> that's because we never necked or horsed around much. She wasn't. I held her I held hands with her all the time, for instance. That doesn't sound like much, I realize, but she was terrific to hold hands with. Most girls, if you hold hands with them, their goddamn hand dies on you, or else they think they have to keep moving their hand all the time as if they were afraid they'd bore you or something. Jane was different. We'd get into a goddamn movie or something. <laughs> Cannot let movies slide. <laughs> and right away, we'd start holding hands, and we wouldn't quit till the movie was over. And without changing the position or making a big deal out of it, you never even worried with Jane whether your hand was sweaty or not. And this is probably the sweetest sentence in the whole book. All you knew was you were happy. You really were. You really were. Yes. So it's like clearly like he loved this woman <laughs> so much. And it bothers him that his roommate will now get to, got to see her in a romantic capacity, especially a roommate that he knows treats women so with such disdain. Yeah. And he does not want Jane to be treated with disdain, especially because he assumes that her stepfather was abusive. Probably. And. He also was like, "This is a special. I I want her. I want her. I don't want yeah. you to have he's her." He's not making any any of these connections himself, but we can see that this is how he's feeling. It's like you can see that the the emotions driving these words are uh, pretty powerful. He definitely loves Jane. Yeah, the holding hands thing is so funny. That's what an adolescent boy would be concerned about. Like, yeah. how good is she at holding hands? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's such a fifties boy. <laughs> boy, you could really hold her hand all night. You know what I'm saying, fellas? <laughs> This girl can hold a hand, let me tell you. Oh, boy. I mean, she's held like nine, ten hands. <laughs> but that's how you know she's good at it. I mean, I wish that was the first hand she held, but you know how hey. it is. <laughs> With these girls from Maine. <laughs> <laughs> you know how these Mainers are. Yeah, so he... Oh, and then she puts his hand, her hand, on the back of his neck? Or he does the back of her it's neck? Just, it's just a nice, cute story of like how much he thinks about Jane. He goes, one other thing I just thought of one time in this movie... Jane did something that just about knocked me out. The newsreel was on or something, and all of a sudden I felt this hand on the back of my neck, and it was Jane's. It was a funny thing to do. I mean, she was quite young and all, and most girls, if you see them putting their hand on the back of somebody's neck, they're around 25 or 30, and usually they're doing it to their husband or their little kid. I do it to my kid's sister, Phoebe, once in a while, for instance. But if a girl's quite young and all, and she does it, it's so pretty, it just about kills you. Anyway, that's what I was thinking about while I sat in the vomit of <laughs> chair in the lobby. <laughs> Old Jane. <laughs> Every time I got to the part about her out with Stradlider in that damn Ed Banky's car, it almost drove me crazy. I knew she wouldn't let him get to first base with her, but it drove me crazy anyway. I don't even like to talk about it if you want to know the truth. Huh? Like, you wrote a whole book about it. <laughs> You've been talking well, about it Well, he definitely is avoiding the Ed Banky's car aspect of it, even though that's what he's kind of focused on. Yeah, that's he's like an obsession, but like, I mean, and to be fair, the, 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 there could be, Holden's not being the most mature about this. No. It's a woman who went on a date. She, someone you haven't really talked to in two years. It was at no point your girlfriend. It's not your girlfriend now. It went on a date with your roommate. I know, but Stradletter's a jerk. He's, he's a jerk. A, and he's a uh, he's a sexual yes. jerk. He's allowed to be jealous, but it is like, it's like, oh, I know Jane wouldn't do it because there seems to be an element of like, sh- that would ruin her for him. <laughs> I know, yeah. There, you can, you can, you can go like he's a misogynist, being kind of misogynistic and like kind of, kind of owner, ownery, uh, ownery, possessive of her, ownery, ownery, <laughs> <laughs> possessive is the word. 
Um, but like, I think, I think in in this old fashioned kind of way, it shows his affection because he knows that Straight Letter doesn't give a crap about her as a person, and he gives a crap about her as a person a lot, which is yeah. all the checkers stuff. And he's a seventeen year old boy, and there are, there yeah. are a lot of some shortcomings, and well, <laughs> not too many, but there are, yeah. Uh, let's see here. He gets in a car. Uh, he's gonna go to Ernie's, the famous piano player. But as he said, <laughs> this is funny because this is like the Holden complex, like complex, where Ernie is a fi- admittedly to Holden a fantastic piano player, but he's a big snob about it. <laughs> he's a terrific snob and won't hardly even talk to you unless you're a big shot or a celebrity or something. But he can really play the piano. He's so good, he's almost corny, in fact. I don't know exactly what I mean by that, but I mean it. I certainly like to hear him play, but sometimes I feel like turning his goddamn piano over. I think I think it's because sometimes when he plays, he sounds like the kind of guy that won't talk to you unless you're a big shot. Oof, when he's playing. He's so good that when he plays, he sounds like he wouldn't be friends with you. <laughs> Which is also like Holden projects so heavily. Yes, <laughs> yes. That's such a revealing of some sort of weird complex. They're like, this guy's so good at piano. He's never going to talk to me. Yeah. I hate him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's almost like, right. It's like this guy's like a, like a, you know, a real life movie. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's so good that it must be fake. Yeah. It's pretentious. Yeah. He really has a distrust for the highly skilled and especially if you know you're highly skilled. <laughs> yeah. He does not like that. So that is chapter 11. Now, chapter 12, another cab scene. Yes, which is, yeah, this is great. I forgot about the cabs, really. Besides the duck thing, I kind of didn't think about the cabs, but I like when he's, like, always just trying to make friends with these cab drivers. <laughs> and, like, like they're going to be, like, like he's going to be, like, how'd you two meet, you two good friends? Well, I was driving I, I'm a cab. I'm a 50-year-old cabbie from Queens, <laughs> and I picked up this rich 16-year-old boy who kept asking me about ducks. We got a drink. <laughs> we, we're drinking, and uh, the rest is history. The right, rest bro? is history now. <laughs> And now he's the best man at my wedding. <laughs> <laughs> so here we are in the cab. Uh, but I finally, uh, so what's interesting, it makes you feel so lonesome and depressed. I kept wishing I could go home and shoot the bull for a while with old Phoebe. So he, now he wants to go home again. Well, because he's in the, yeah, he hears someone laugh in the um, night in, the, in, yeah, New, in York. New York. Which I get. Yeah, hear people laugh at night in New York. Yeah. It's, it's kind of sad. Whenever you're alone and hear someone else laughing, it does feel sad. Yeah, it makes you feel lonely. Uh, but finally, after a while, I was riding a while. The cab driver and I sort of, sort of struck up a conversation. You did not sort of struck up a conversation. You you bothered this man about ducks. <laughs> uh, his name was Horowitz. He was a much better guy than the other driver I'd had. Anyway, I thought maybe he might know about the ducks. So this is a, an example of a good cabbie conversation from Holden's perspective. Uh, let's do it, right, Kev? You want to yeah. be home? Let's do it. I'll be holding. You be the 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 cab driver, and I will do a voice. <coughs> <laughs> hey, Horowitz, I said, you ever pass by the lagoon in Central Park, down by Central Park South? The what? The lagoon, that little lake, like there, where the ducks are. You know? Yeah. What about it? Well, you know the ducks that swim around in it in the springtime and all. Do you happen to know where they go in the wintertime by any chance? Where who goes? The ducks. Do you know by any chance? I mean, does somebody come around in a truck or something and take them away, or do they fly away by themselves, go south or something? How the hell should I know? How the hell should I know a stupid thing like that? Well, don't get sore about it. Who's sore? Nobody's sore. The fish don't go no place. They stay right where the fish, where they are, the fish. Right in the goddamn lake. The fish, that's different. The fish is different. 
I'm talking about the ducks. What's the difference about it? Nothing's different about it. It's tougher for the fish, the winter and all, is than it is for the ducks, for Christ's sakes. Use your head, for Christ's sakes. All right. What do they do, the fish and all? When that whole little lake's a solid block of ice, people skating on it and all. What the hell you mean, what do they do? They stay right where they are, for Christ's sake. They can't just ignore the ice. They can't just ignore it. Who's ignoring it? Nobody's ignoring it. They live right in the goddamn ice. It's their nature, for Christ's sake. They get frozen right in one position for the whole winter. Yeah? What do they eat, then? I mean, if they're frozen solid, they can't swim around looking for food and all. Their bodies, for Christ's sake. What's the matter with you? The bodies taking nutrition and all right through the goddamn seaweed and crap that's in the ice. They got their pores open the whole time. That's their nature, for Christ's sake. See what I mean? Oh. Would you care to stop off and have a drink with me somewhere? (laughs) (laughs) I ain't got no time for no liquor, bud. How the old? How the hell old are you, anyways? Why ain't you home in bed? I'm not tired. Listen, if you was a fish, mother naked, <laughs> mother nature'd take care of you, wouldn't she? Right? You don't think them fish just die when it gets to be winter, do you? No. You're but- goddamn right, they don't. <laughs> and that's the scene. <laughs> that, 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 that was so fun. <laughs> So yeah, okay. We didn't have any time to analyze any of those things. So let's um, let's uh, analyze a little bit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> first of all, this cabbie clearly kind of a biology guy. Yes, it is a very funny scene of two New York guys <laughs> who are both wrong, yelling at each other. <laughs> <laughs> they both they both they both think they know what they're talking about. Neither of them know anything. Yes, but they're still arguing about something that they don't know about at all. Yeah, but it's preceded by him wanting to go home. So he's so lonely, he starts another conversation with a cabbie. Yep. So at the core is that. And the ducks are that. Like, I can't go home right now. I would ask you to take me home, but I can't. Where should I go now? Uh, and he's like, I, I don't know. Where, where you, go, you go home with the <laughs> Right. And then he asks him the question. Right. Is, he's, is it, it's, right. And that he is the ducks, right? Like we discussed. He's the ducks. And he goes, you know, my pond is going to freeze over. I don't know where to go. Yes. Where am I going to go? Yes, and the, he's hoping that there's an easy answer. Like, oh, you they go here, and that's where you should go. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I should go to Florida with these ducks. Yeah. And then he's like, well, the fish just get are there in the water, and it's tougher for them, which is a little thing of, like, it's harder, much harder for a lot more people than you. Yeah, right. It's like, you think you got problems? Think about the fish. Um, they can't even go anywhere. Right. But, but, you, but they adjust. And the big line, if you was a fish, Mother Nature would take care of you. So there's gonna be somewhere for you yeah like it's it came from a very rough man but mother nature to take care of you is like there's gonna be some sort of soothing thing to come it'll be fine yeah you'll be fine at the end of this you'll be okay you'll be okay you're gonna go through this you should stop arguing with cabbies and asking him for drinks but (laughs) every everything in nature has a, a place to go yeah, you'll be right. Like this, this too shall pass away. Is kind of the only advice that he that he can give Holden. I mean, and if we're taking this to the level that it's like, what am I gonna do when my pond freezes over? Where am I gonna go? What's my life gonna be like? No one ever has an easy answer, but someone goes, "You're gonna be okay." Yeah, you're gonna be fine. You'll be you'll be taken care of. Things will be okay. Their mother Things nature will, okay. will take care of you. Let's have a drink. <laughs> yeah. 
No, then these poor cab drivers. Like I can't imagine. <laughs> he's turning around. He's pro- they're probably driving down Broadway. He's yeah. turning around. This is re- I like this would be a good a good scene in a movie too. Usually these are not very cinematic things because usually yes. kind of like so usually what you'd see is like it's like a kid uh, holding a drink forlornly <laughs> and just thinking a lot. But this is this would be another good scene in the uh, Catch in the Rye movie. Yes, very much so. A very, very imaginative scene of like people going back and forth. Maybe in twenty years they'll make a movie, right? Like once everyone's dead. Yeah, I don't know when is when his estate uh, runs out. And his lawyer, yeah. Well, well, yeah. Public domain is like I think it's like eighty years. It's yeah, it's getting close. Twenty thirty, probably then. Yeah. Public domain. So now he goes to this bar, and it's filled with prep school kids. And now here is like it's all very funny takedowns, but it's clearly Salinger being mad at his old prep school classmates. Yeah. Like, Look at all these phony jerks that I hate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everyone, he's mad because everyone's on Christmas vacation already, even he, though he's gone. He yeah, left he got school. kicked out of school. Yeah, but he's like, God, he's got they get all they got all the luck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he. Uh, so Ernie has a a big damn mirror in front of the piano with a spotlight on him so that everybody could watch his face while he played. Yeah. So it is, Ernie does have an ego. He knows he's great. And the problem with Holden is that conflict of he hates people that are full of themselves, but he knows that Ernie's full of himself for a reason. Yeah. So he's still there. He chose to go here. It wasn't thrust upon him. He got into a He never says that Ernie's not good. Yes. Isn't that funny? He's never like, all he says about Ernie is that he's good at piano, but he just, he's mad about the way in which he's good. He's mad about the way that Ernie uses his talent. Yes. He hates he hates showboats and yeah. it's but not so much that he won't go because he's yep. like I still got to see Ernie play he is great he's great but he's a showboat and all these idiots love him and it, that's that thing the same thing you said about Coldplay where it's like oh now everyone all these people I hate like him he yeah probably is kind of bad <laughs> yeah <laughs> now I hate him too yeah uh yeah so. He was putting all these dumb show-offy ripples in the high notes and a lot of other very tricky stuff that gives me a pain in the ass. <laughs> Should have heard the crowd, though, when he was finished. You would have puked. They went mad. They were exactly the same morons that laugh like hyenas in the movies at stuff that isn't funny. Bingo. So, like, here we... I mean, we drew the player parallel individually, but, like, he's drawing the parallel himself. He goes, I hate this the exact same way that I hate the movies. People just laugh at me when it's not funny because it's just... It's because it's the movies. They don't get what's good about it. They like the bad stuff. Yeah. Yeah. They're dopes. I'd hate it. I wouldn't even want them to clap for me. People always, oh no, yeah. Uh, people always clap for the wrong things. If I were a pl- piano player, I'd play it in the goddamn closet. <laughs> <laughs> Which we were talking about before. That's pretty much what Salinger did. He got good at writing and just started writing in the closet. <laughs> because he didn't like the way that he was being received. Yeah, like he wrote a he wrote a hit novel, which is like, that never happens anymore anyway. He wrote a hit novel that everyone wanted to buy. He had enough money to just go away forever. Yeah. Gave 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 his very phony humble bow. So like he really, and it's just so funny to me that he is same with the movies. He is going to them. Yeah, he gets something out of them. <laughs> yeah, but he hates that he does. <laughs> yeah, the fault. Yeah, well, like and the well, the falseness, right? The movies are inherently false, of course. But like, yeah, Ernie is pretending like he's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe people are coming out to see me. I'm so humble. Yeah, but then he has like a light in his uh, face and he has uh, a mirror. Mirror, up. so you can see his face. His ego is showing. Yeah. It's gross. I yeah. partly blame all those dopes that clap their heads off. They'd follow up anybody if you give them a chance. Anyway, it made me feel depressed and lousy again, and I damn near got my coat back and went to the hotel, but it was too early and didn't feel much like being all alone. So he's 
It's he's in two. He's in stuck between a rock and a hard place throughout all of this, and a lot of a lot. Of, this is, I think a lot of teenagers relate to this, where you don't like anyone you can be around, but you also don't want to be alone. Yeah, where it's like is bad company worse than no company? That's sort of the big debate for depressed, lonely people. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and that's just like a human condition thing. It's bad company worse than no company. Oh uh, so he finally gets a table. And he orders. They don't even care if you're uh, under sixteen. You could, if you were around, only around six years old, you could get liquor at Ernie's. Uh, I was surrounded by jerks. I'm not kidding. Of course, <laughs> <laughs> we we believe you. Uh, this is like two very distinct images of bad dates, and it's kind of like that. He took the time to describe it. Probably means something, but I also think. Salinger just has, uh, or yeah, I'd say Salinger has a disdain for <laughs> most humans. Yeah, he's illimitsanthropic, yeah. At this other tiny table regimen left, practically on top of me, there was this funny-looking guy and this funny-looking girl. They were around my age or maybe just a little older. It was funny. You could see they were being careful to sell not to drink up the minimum too fast. I listened to their conversation for a while because they didn't have anything else to do. He was telling her about some pro football game he'd seen that afternoon. He gave her every single goddamn play in the whole game. I'm not kidding. He was the most boring guy I ever listened to. And you could tell his date wasn't even interested in the goddamn game. But she was even funnier looking than he was. So I guess she had to listen. <laughs> really ugly girls have it tough. I feel so sorry for them sometimes. Sometimes I can't even look at them. Especially if there was some dopey guy that's telling them all about a goddamn football game. So it's a little mixed bag of... There's a little bit of a class thing where he's like, they're, they're trying not to drink up the yeah. minimum too and fast. Yeah, Holden always notices this stuff, which is funny. He notices this stuff. All uh, these like, oh, people trying to save money. He has, yeah. a very, he has an eye for that. <clears throat> probably probably is a strike against him. Um, but it's just like, I feel, it's it's kind of rough, but he's like, I feel bad for ugly girls because they got to listen to jerk guys be yeah. boring. Yeah. I just be glad that someone is hanging out with them. Right. It's kind of mean, but it's also, it's kind of empathetic. Like this poor girl has got to go through this and she probably has like a difficult time in her life. Yeah. As a result of that. Yeah. On my right, the conversation was even worse, though. <laughs> boy, oh boy. <laughs> On my right, there was this very Joe Yale-looking guy in a gray flannel suit and one of those flitty-looking Tattersall vests. And this is, he always throws in this about himself. All those Ivy League bastards look alike. My father wants me to go to Yale or maybe Princeton, but I swear I won't go to one of those Ivy League colleges if I was dying. <laughs> like that's such a class thing where he's like yeah of course i can go to them i fail out of four schools <laughs> yeah you can just go yeah but i wouldn't go if they made me it's like like now it's like you'd be very lucky to get into school <laughs> yeah but he hates them so much yeah uh anyway this joe yellow looking guy had a terrific looking girl with him boy was she was good looking oh. but you should have heard the conversation they were having in the first place they were both slightly crocked what he was doing to, he was giving her a feel under the table and at the same time telling her all about some guy in his dorm that had eaten a whole bottle of aspirin and nearly committed suicide. His de- date kept saying to him, how horrible. Don't, darling. Please don't. Not here. Imagine giving somebody a feel and telling them about a guy committing suicide at the same time. They killed me. Okay, what is... There's something There's something huge here, right? It's the first mention of someone else's suicide attempt. Another one will come up when we talk about Mr. Antolini and a kid who killed himself in the in the dorms. Right. Um, but I think it's to show how la- how lacking in empathy the men of this class are. There, yeah, he's willing. He's just talk- talking about his friend who committed suicide. But also, it reveals 
Holden's lack of empathy where he thought it was just kind of funny. Like that killed me that he was, he was trying to, I think probably, probably he's trying, I, I don't want to put it to words, but he's giving her a feel and doing this where it's like, look at this weird guy trying to be he's such a jerk. But it's yeah. like no real sense of like the empathy for her is just like this is like a weird guy and like she's in a bad place <laughs> right that she's has to ask him not to do it there yeah that's that's yeah that's really gross right of course what and like for him it was just like what a weird conversation to have with your date but like no i think that holden is definitely pointing out the juxtaposition though yes. right? i think he's definitely pointing out like um Imagine giving somebody a feel and then telling them about the guy that committing suicide at the same time. They killed me, right? So like he he understands that the dichotomy is is different and the resonance is it's dissonant. But yeah, I think this is a huge just like a criticism of all of the 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 Joe Yale looking guys. Right. Is that not only do they want to feel up a girl even when she says no, like <laughs> let's wait, we're in public, let's not do this here. That won't stop them. They also want to joke around about some other kid's misery yeah. in a way that also upsets people. So they have dueling to like, they're going to get, they're going to go after a woman and like see her nose as bound as obstacles. And they're going to just think, Oh, this guy tried to kill himself. What a weirdo. Like what a weirdo. no empathy for anyone, but, and only concerned about their own needs. Um, and I think he's saying like, this is what all the people in here are. All these dumb guys. They either are bore like they're boring a girl talking about football, or they're terrifying a girl talking about suicide and trying to give them a feel. Right. They're both oblivious to what the girl wants and is mm-hmm. thinking about. Um, they're both. I mean, like the suicide sex juxtaposition is something, right? Like the it feels heavy, but I think also the juxtaposition <clears throat> of these two guys, like. Even the nerds are bad. Right, like it's, the it's, ner- like the gross looking nerds will bore you about football. Yeah, and the hot like the hot guys will just reveal how barbaric they are and not. So like, I think it was to say like, hey, yeah, like the intellectuals are fine. He's like, nope, the intellectuals are not fine. Yeah, they will bore a girl too. They like they don't really care about a girl's feelings or enjoyment or or comfort at all. Yeah, it be- but yeah, it begs a comparison. Though. I guess they're both kind of similar, but it, be- it begs a comparison when you have these two couples, yeah. like kind of like with Straight Letter and, and Ackley, that you want to you want to compare naturally. Um, but there's not much. Yeah, they're both on terrible, terrible dates, and mm. the men are not connecting with the women because they're thinking about their own thing. Yeah, they're uh, just obsessed with themselves, probably something there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's all alone. There wasn't anything to do except smoke and drink, which what I, what I did do, though, I told the waiter to ask old Ernie if he'd care to join me for a drink. I told him to tell him I was DB's brother. I don't think that even gave me my message, though. Those bastards never <laughs> give your message to anybody. Regards and messages. You got you to give your regards to people. You got to give your messages to people. Yeah. If you, In Holden's book, it's something you got to do. But it's also Holden just ranted about how <laughs> Ernie would never talk with you if he's not a hot shot, <laughs> and he just was like, please let me talk to Ernie. I want to talk to Ernie. Yeah. So he clearly, like... Also, he clearly also worships him. Yeah, back to the movies thing. It's like, yeah, you still go to the movies though. You hate the movies. You still go to see Ernie. He really wants to be friend. I mean, this is the third guy he's asked to have a cocktail. It's way out of his age range. He just yeah. wants to have a cocktail with somebody. <laughs> just give him a. Just, just have a cocktail to with talk. him. Talk. Come on. Yeah. Something. All of a sudden, this girl came up to me and said, "Holden Caulfield." Her name was Lillian Simmons. My brother DV used to go around with her for a while. She had very big knockers. 
That's a classic Holden Blunt description yeah, of one something. Dis- yeah, one description. That's like the only time I've I've heard knockers, and it's it's by far my favorite, like so funniest funny. way to. Describe yeah, you know what? <laughs> like outside of someone like sarcastically saying it to seem old fashioned or yeah. to seem like really like rude. Look at the knockers on her. <laughs> yeah, like he just he just is just being referential. Like no, that's what they were. They were knockers, and they were big. <laughs> Uh, hi, I said, try to get up naturally, but it was some job getting up. So he meets like an ex-girlfriend of his brother's. Yep. Um, how's your big brother? He's fine. He's in Hollywood in Hollywood. How marvelous. What is he doing? So these half italicized words again, these, I can hear this girl now, but when I say it out loud in Hollywood, yeah. how marvelous, what's he doing? I don't I know. know. Writing. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't feel like discussing it. You could tell she thought it was a big deal as being in Hollywood. Almost everybody does. Most people who have never read any of his stories, it drives me crazy, though. And maybe that's at the core of it, too, is that movies got his brother. Yeah. His brother had a chance to be just a, a short story writer. Prostitute, yeah. And they got him to write. His like, favorite writer, DB. His yeah, favorite writer. his favorite writer. Yeah. And it's also like, here's a girl reminding him of like the flaws of, that, of his brother, the disappointments of life that even his brother sold out. Also, she reminds him, he reminds her. She reminds him of these people who like Ernie, even though they don't know how good he is. Even you know what I mean? Like a page earlier, he talks like I blame all these dopes that clap their hands, all of them. They follow up any if you give them a chance. Um, anyway, they think that he's good, and and they don't even know if he's good or not. Same thing. Yeah, and she keeps being like, "Are you all alone, baby?" Well, Lillian asked me. She was blocking up the whole goddamn traffic in the aisle. You could tell she liked to block up a lot of traffic. God. Don't you have a date, baby? She asked me. I was standing up now, and she didn't even tell me to sit down. She was the type that keeps you standing up for hours. Isn't he handsome, she said to the Navy guy. Holden, you're getting handsomer by the minute. Wait, wait. Well, the Navy guy who we got, he got introduced to, his name was Commander Blop or something. <laughs> <laughs> his name was Commander Blop. I missed that. <laughs> Commander, yeah, Commander Blop. <laughs> B-L-O-P. Like, it's like, I guess maybe you heard Blop, but it definitely was not Blop. Commander Blop. <laughs> Commander Blop reporting for duty. Blop, God damn it! <laughs> Get down here, Blop. And this is a fun. He was one of those guys that think they're being a pansy if they don't break around 40 of your fingers when they shake your hand. 40 of your fingers, yeah. He had to he'd grab it real hard. Yeah. And, and you yeah. can see that guy, like the Navy tough guy, shaking your hand in a yeah. bar. Commander Blop. Uh, so, yeah. Holden, come join us, old Lillian said. Bring your drink. And then he says, I was just leaving. I have to meet somebody. You could tell she was just trying to get in good with me so that I'd tell DB about it. Right. So just she's just she's only being nice so that he will tell her brother, his brother, about her. How being great nice. she is. Yeah. And she'll and her brother will want to go on a date. Yeah. Oy, oy, oy. Then this is really funny. Well, you little so and so all right for you. Tell your big brother I hate him when you see him. Then she left. The Navy and I guy and I told each other we we're always we're, we were glad to have met each other, which always kills me. I'm always saying, glad to have met you to somebody. I'm not at all glad I met <laughs> If you want to stay alive, you have to say, say stuff. that stuff, though. Right. Which is like almost like a, a, a club stand-up like, why am I always saying glad to have met you to people I'm not glad at all? Like, yeah. It's very funny to be like, I'm not glad I met you. Right. I'm not glad I met you. Yeah. I just have to say it to be alive. <laughs> <laughs> to stay alive, yeah. I mean, this refers to the phoniness that, that Holden does he has to navigate it himself he's he like performs. i'm always corny when i'm around corny people yeah 
uh, I have to say this stuff to be alive. Right. His own mechanics, mechanics to like navigate through sort of superficial relationships. Yeah, he'll say like he's snowing somebody, and he really like starts shoveling the bowl or whatever. He yeah. says like I was shoveling it hard at that point, <laughs> like just lying and lying and lying and lying. Um, so yeah. again, that, so his that own theme. justifications for her for his own uh, disingenuousness is always interesting. I didn't have any goddamn choice except to leave. I couldn't even stick around here older and he play something halfway decent. But I certainly wasn't going to sit down at a table with old Lillian Simmons and that Navy guy would be bored to death. So I left. It made me mad, though, when I was getting my coat. People are always ruining things for you. Oof. Really misanthropic. So we, 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 we read a chapter about how in love he was with Jane Gallagher. And then a chapter about how alone he feels in a crowded room with a musician he li- he's at a concert of someone he likes respects yes and when we just talked about in the beginning of the chapter that choice between being alone or being in bad, bad company, company he was talking about I don't want to be alone right now and then here's someone's like please sit at my table I want to talk to you and he's like no you're annoying and yeah. I know it's for the wrong reasons I'd rather get drunk with two different cabbies I just <laughs> met <laughs> yeah he loves he wants to get drunk with Ernie he wants to get drunk with cabbies does not want to get drunk with any people that he meets or that he knows that he knows want to drink with him for the wrong reason. Yeah, yeah. He's so I guess he's like he's pure. He's pure, or is he picky? You know, I mean, like you know, he's. Or like, is he just not careful what he wishes for? It's like God, I wish I could have a drink with somebody, and then here comes somebody, and he's yep. like, Oh, not you. Here you go. <laughs> yeah. Serving yeah. it up for you. But it's progress. I mean, th- he's just making his way around Manhattan, having drinks, not having drinks, getting in arguments with cabbies, running into people. Being mad at prep school guys, finding a new enemy every chapter, <laughs> accidentally revealing all of his emotional catharsis. Yeah. Accidentally revealing all of his emotional catharsis could be like a subtitle of Catcher <laughs> in the Rye. Um, all by accident, yeah. Uh, it's never. He's, he thinks he's telling you just a, a reasonable story about a bad weekend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I love Yeah, exactly. This is a bad weekend I this had. This is some crazy stuff that happened over Christmas. I don't even, like, it was whatever, I. I just had to take a break after this. This is me growing up, yeah, in one shot, one weekend. I had to gr- I had to face my adolescent angst. Yeah. But that's what you get when you're in the say it with me subtextual narrative. narrative. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Um so that was chapter 12. We're so getting we're going into 13 and 14 13 next time. Yeah, I think that's uh let me see, let me do a little preview. Uh, he goes back to the hotel. He goes back to the hotel next chapter and we're going to see some uh other stuff. Oh yeah, it's uh, it's pretty uh, n- big action chapter coming up. Thirteen. Nice. Get ready, folks. Get ready for some action. Buckle your seatbelts. All right. Well, that for the OK Gatsby uh, signing off. I am Terrence Hartnett. You can follow me on Instagram at Ha Hartnett. I post great pictures. I'm Kevin. Kevin uh, Lopkovich. You can follow me on Twitter at, at Kevin Lopkovich. I'm on Instagram as at Kevin Lopko. But he's more of a Twitter guy. Yes. <laughs> for sure. Uh, but yeah, thank you guys so much. Have a we good love week. you. Have a good week. Bye bye.